Is fixing and flipping a property that's long distance for you? There are some distinct challenges to consider when choosing to buy, design, and sell properties that aren't local. So before you consider this investment strategy, listen in as I share my personal experience as a real estate investor and interior designer fixing and flipping a home across the country. Welcome to Home and Nestorations, the podcast that helps you design and decorate your home with confidence. I'm your host, interior designer, real estate investor, and best of house winner, Sally Sorcelli, here to help you create timeless designs that'll make your home or rental property stand out. Thanks for listening. Well, hey there, and Happy New Year. It is the first episode back in 2023. And if you are new here, welcome. I am Sally Sorcelli, interior designer and real estate investor. And on today's design conversation, I'm sharing all about my personal experience fixing and flipping a home across the country. And if you've been listening for a while, You might have heard me mention that my parents had some health issues in the spring of last year, and unfortunately, as a result, my father did pass away, and my mother moved into an assisted living facility that fortunately she loves, which brings me so much peace and reassurance that she's happy there. So as the executor of my father's estate and power of attorney for my mother, I was tasked with selling their home in Connecticut, which was my childhood home that they lived in for, I don't know, 45 plus years. So I, I almost my entire life, but I was up for the challenge since, well, I am an interior designer and used to handling construction and all that home stuff. And also because my husband and I are real estate investors and Also, because as the executor, I was stuck with the task and nobody else was around to do it. So challenge presents itself and I'm ready for it. I did have some real estate investors that were local in Connecticut reach out to me as they will often reach out to people who are executors of estates, knowing that you're often tasked with the job of selling a home and they get your information through the courts and the probates. So I did get reached out to by several different investment companies, and it just didn't really make sense. I did consider it because it would have taken a lot of workload off of my plate, but the cost just didn't really make sense. So I decided just to take charge of it and do it myself. And I'll dig into a little bit of my experience about that, but that is a little tip that if you are a real estate investor and you or someone on your team is monitoring some of the probate and court docs to see what estates might be hitting the market soon with properties, it is a way you could possibly score a deal or reach out to the family members, they might be very willing to have you take over uh, the whole job of selling the home because people are, you know, it's a lot of work to be an executor. It's also really emotionally taxing because you've you've just lost a family member. And so some people don't always want to take on the whole 
process. So it's an option there. But I declined that option for real estate investors that did reach out to me. And let's dive in and talk about how this whole fix and flip went down and what I learned in the process. All right. First thing with any real estate investment is you've learned that if you're a real estate investor or following bigger pockets and new to real estate investing is to evaluate the market and you have to know and learn that market. Now, since I inherited this house from my father, there was no initial cost to purchase it and it was left equally between myself and my surviving brother. So I didn't have to start with that initial market research that all or most real estate investors need to do to choose a location, knowing the markets, cash flow potential, doing all the data analysis. I had this house, it was in the market it was, and I just had to move forward with it. The house did have great bones and it was in really good structural condition, but it needed a decent amount of work, especially cosmetic work, because there were two seniors living there who, you know, were older and not physically as capable and also no shame there, didn't really prioritize home improvement. My dad was notorious for not being someone who loved to put in a lot of money into the home. So there were a few things such as an outdated electrical system. I'm talking an old fuse box uh, situation, not even an electrical panel. So that was out of code. And then there was some unkept uh, parts of the home, dated interior, some rotted wood at the windows, some window issues, not ideal bathrooms. And as a designer, this is easy for me to do, but as a real estate investor, this is something you'd have to get good at doing, which is to be able to see through and see past that dated, the ugly, so you can see that hidden potential. Now, as a designer, I do that all the time. All my clients that I work with, whether they are homeowners or real estate investors, I always say to them, hey, I'm looking for this ugly duckling to turn it into a beautiful swan. There is no judgment. So I'm not afraid if I see bad wall colors or ugly carpet or paint, anything like that. Now, my parents' home didn't have either of those, but it did have wallpaper from 20 plus years ago that had to go. But it did have some really great features, such as some nice built-ins. It had really nice hardwood floors that I think were even original to the home in the 1950s. But for most of my childhood, they were covered in carpet and no one knew they were there. And then as I was a adult, my parents removed all the carpet. So they were in really great condition. But either way, you have to be able to see through all the unpretty stuff to see the potential in a home. Now with any estate, any surviving beneficiary, in this case, it was my brother or myself, could choose to purchase the home and essentially buy out the other sibling. That was the way it was at least written in the will. So I had to hire an appraiser to appraise the home. I think it was about 400 or something dollars. And the appraiser came up with a cost. And that was the price that either my brother could buy the property for 
or I'd buy the property for. And that would pay any remaining mortgage left on the house and then buy out the other sibling. Now, my brother chose not to purchase the home and my husband Brad and I did have some discussions about possibly having this as a rental property to add to our portfolio, but I knew there was a lot of work that needed to be done because again, home maintenance was not a big priority here, but there were also a lot of emotions tied up in the house. The location wasn't ideal in my opinion, and so we decided not to purchase it and instead I'd fix it up as part of the estate and sell it for as much profit as I could. Now, my takeaway here with evaluating the market is even if you inherit a property from an elderly family member, you still need to know the market enough to decide if you want to sell or add the property as um, an, a property in your existing portfolio. So you won't have to do as much due diligence as if you're entering a brand new market that you have no history, knowledge, or experience with, but you still need to have some information so that you can make a solid, educated choice. All right, next, as real estate investors know, and again, if you're following with bigger pockets, is you've got to build your long-distance team. Now, I live in California, in San Diego, so I do not have a real estate team or contractors in Connecticut. I do have friends from high school that live there and I could have reached out to some of them. And so I did have to build a team that I could fix up this property and sell it from across the country since I do live 3,000 miles away. And I had already spent almost two months in Connecticut when my parent, my father was still alive, and that was moving him and my mother into nursing homes because of their declining health issues, moving them into assisted living. And then, you know, another nine days or so when I was with my dad on hospice caring for him in his final days. So I had already spent a lot of time away from my home. And I don't regret any of it because having those last moments with my father and those moments transitioning my mother from living with my my father for so many years, they were married 57 years. I wanted to make sure that my mother felt good where she was, that she was happy. And so I don't regret any of those two months in the spring that I was away from my home in California, away from my family or my design business, but I also didn't want to spend really any more time away than I had to. So I knew I needed a good team to be on board with me so I could get this done. Now, what worked out great is my probate attorney, who I worked with, uh, who I'm currently working with on my father's estate and who also helped me with my brother's estate as he passed away a couple years ago. He didn't own a home, so I didn't have to do that with my brother's estate. But anyway, I've been tight with my probate attorney. He's amazing. And he connected me with a realtor who he does a lot of business with. And as it turned out, it was a great fit. The realtor did charge a higher percentage to sell the property. It was 6% instead of a five or five and a half. 
even a four and a half I could have maybe gone down to. But we discussed it. And since I wasn't on the ground with him, I was long distance. He would have to be more hands-on. And I was actually okay with that. Again, sometimes you have to value your time over money. And I did in this case. Now, the realtor was great because he hooked me up with different contractors to help with the project. And I have to say that on the whole, they were great. In fact, uh, the general contractor that I worked with was exceptional. And he'll actually continue working with me on other properties and is even willing to travel, which is even better as we're currently looking and choosing our next property out of state. He was even going to do some work here for me in California. Really a gem. And when you get one of those great contractors, don't lose them. Treat them well. I always believe as a designer in treating all my contractors really well. When they're doing a lot of work, I might provide a lunch or some snacks. And also just treating them with common kindness and dignity. So many times people look down on, quote, blue collar workers, and I'm not going to have that. I just think that's disrespectful. This is a person who is an expert in their trade, and I believe in showing them respect. And you get a lot more, a better outcome when you do. And I've had several contractors reach out to me, very appreciative of the respect I show them. And it really goes a long way. What's that old saying is you attract a lot more bees with honey. And it is true. Now, when I was there, I um, did meet with as many of the contractors as I could. I was in town for about a week emptying my parents' home in September. And then we've also had a few conversations in the meantime. Now, managing local contractors is a lot of work as there are a lot of moving parts, but I am used to it as a designer, so I was not scared of this. But managing long-distance contractors can be even more work, and you have to trust them. You're putting their faith in them, and they are your eyes and ears if you're not able to be on the ground. Now, the key here is to be really organized um, with any contractors you get. So you really want to vet them, get good recommendations. My realtor had worked with all of them. My realtor had worked with my probate attorney. And after over two years with my probate attorney, I had a lot of trust in him. So again, being really organized Once you have your team, you want to take as many measurements as humanly possible. Take more measurements than you could possibly think you need and take as many photos as possible. If you aren't on the ground at all, then you have to have either your realtor or your contractors do this for you. Now, I didn't have to, um, even though I took a lot of photos, it might not have been as necessary for me to reference all those photos later because I grew up in that home. So I had a bit of an advantage. I knew that layout like the back of my hand, which did really help. But that's not gonna be the case with most investors. And even with lots of measurements and memories, 
I still had asked the contractors to send me a few measurements here and there, like when I was buying the refrigerator. That fridge was a little tricky, and I joke I needed to use some butter to fit it in that space, but it worked out luckily. Now, speaking of team and building your team, communication is so important. So one, I want you to be really, really organized with your measurements, your photos, everything that you'll possibly need to reference later, but then you need to have great communication with your team. It is key. And do not, I repeat, do not pay any final bills until the realtor or you or someone you trust get out there to see the work. That was something I'm glad I knew as a designer beforehand, because who's to say the painter will go back for touch-ups once you've paid them? Now, my takeaways here with having a team long distance is be organized, take lots of measurements and photos, set expectations clearly with your contractors, like how often you want status updates or photos from them showing progress. I told my clients, my contractors, actually, I wanted a lot of photos and updates of their work. It would take a little more time on my hand to look at those, but that was worth it to me. Another important part of fixing and flipping a home across the country is the design of your long distance property. You need to know the design styles that are popular in that market. I did hire a stager who was local based on my realtor's recommendations. The realtor and the stager work closely together and he pays her for a consultation and me as the client would pay her for her services to rent furniture while the home is listed if I choose to do so. Now, a home stager is someone who has a large inventory of furniture, accessories, and art, rugs, pillows, you name it, and they will bring that to the home. They might have 30-day periods, 60-day periods, and you rent that furniture. They set everything up, and then new prospective buyers can see the home staged nicely. They can picture themselves in it, and if there are any less attractive features in the home, some of this furniture can act as a little smoke and mirrors and distract them from it. So as a designer, I do believe in staging a home to sell it, especially in a cooler market. Although many cost-conscious investors might not be easily persuaded to invest in this, as a designer, I know how important good staging can be when selling a home. And the timing that we went to sell this home, we had missed the market. So that hot 2022 market, 2021, that was all the rage in the pandemic, and everybody was lining up with sight unseen, waving the inspections. Well, we had just missed it. Interest rates were rising. There was no more of that 2%. We were now in a 7% category. So for me, I felt like really making that home stand out. And also I chose to trust the realtor because he had data for selling his own properties, the homes that were staged with the stager, the rate at those sold versus the homes without. So I decided to put my trust in that and go with it. Now, as for design, 
if you have a property and you see something that's likely going to be a problem to design around, change it if at all possible and in your budget. So in this house, my parents had old yellowish oak cabinets from 25 plus years ago when I was in college. I knew, I knew they'd be a challenge to match with flooring. In hindsight, I kind of wish I had them painted white from the start because trying to find flooring that would work with those cabinets and match the existing hardwoods in the house was a challenge. My gut said to paint them, but the realtor said not to because they would sell just fine as is. But gosh, finding flooring to work with them was brutal. It took up a lot of my time. And the contractor, in full disclosure, was more than patient than I've seen most be. And I was having him grab samples. We were looking at it back to the house in the lighting. And he was great. But also, by the last sample, if I didn't get it right, I think he was going to put those floors in no matter what. If you see something is going to be an obstacle, sometimes it's just better to knock it out from the start or nip it in the bud, which I could have done with those cabinets instead of spending several more hours and my contractor's time to find the right flooring. So my takeaways with designing long distance is to connect with a local designer to help you make smart decisions that'll help your property sell or rent faster. And even if it's not a local designer, just reaching out to me or someone else who's a designer that you know, like, and trust, because we can see things differently than you might be able to with a property. All right, moving on to my experience with the sale of the property. Now, the feedback we received on the home was good, but rising interest rates didn't help And my parents' home being on a busier street also didn't really help. It sold for exactly what I wanted it to sell for as a best case option. Now, the realtor initially priced it, in my opinion, a little too high. But again, I trusted it and I went with it. And after a couple weeks of no offers, We dropped the price to what I originally wanted to price the house at, and I'm happy to say we got an offer that same day. So here, trust your gut. My gut felt right. And closing actually went pretty smoothly with no real issues or demands from the buyer. As you're selling a home that's part of an estate, you do have to involve the probate courts um, as they have to approve the sale. So there might be a little extra paperwork, but it's not an issue that will delay anything. And I'm happy to say that everything went smoothly. The buyer was in um, right around Thanksgiving and I'm happy to say it's all done. Looking back on the whole process, what worked well? Well, as a designer, I felt confident choosing materials offsite. I know what works well and what doesn't, and I could have the contractors take photos of materials in the home that any of the the colors might have been questionable. And I'll be honest, it is so easy to order materials across the country and get them shipped quickly. Amazon really does carry so many designer items now, 
and Home Depot also. I could order vanities, have my contractor pick it up directly from Home Depot and Lowe's, and that worked out really well. And for the most part, I had great contractors, and I'm so appreciative of the realtor that connected me with them, especially because as the general contractor and I are still in communication, he was sharing photos with me of some properties he's been working on for other clients back in Connecticut. And luckily, he's got good taste, so that makes it even better. Now, there are some challenges with fixing and flipping properties across the country. In this particular case, there was some emotional baggage. Even though I hadn't lived there in 25 years and, you know, there are some family complications with my brother and that did make the whole process more challenging. So clearing out the house was time consuming because I had to do it all myself. Now, I could have hired someone to do all of it, but I did want to sort through some of the personal effects, make sure I kept things that were sentimental or legal or valuable. And hindsight, I literally could have taken months to do this. And my brother maybe would have preferred that. But again, I knew I was working against a clock, that that real estate market was changing. And so I didn't want to hold off too long. So again, I gave myself a week. I could have given myself weeks or months. Now, I did hire to clear out what I couldn't get done, and I likely did miss out on some sentimental things that I might wish I had later on, but I can't really do anything about it now. So I feel like I did the best I could considering I was doing the bulk of it by myself. If you're a real estate investor, you won't have the same emotional baggage or connection, but if you do get into real estate investing from an inherited property from a family member that's passed away, you might have some of that same extra emotional baggage. Another challenge I faced was not being there to see things in person. It can always be challenging. I love to see items in a home to make sure colors are right, but when I was there in September, I did put up paint samples and swatches, so I felt pretty good about what I was choosing. Another challenge with fixing and flipping this home across the country was the constant phone calls, emails, and hurdles that I had to leap over. It was literally like a full-time job. Now, thank goodness I had a light client load and that my kids were older and could help out around the house and that my husband is super supportive and knew that this was going to take up a lot of time, so he might have been doing more carpool duties and all of that. So the time that it took definitely was challenging because there were so many frequent calls, communication, which was great to keep me in the loop, but it did take up time from my regular workday. And then, of course, you're going to have something go wrong. I mean, if you start an investment property or a home remodel in your own home, expect a problem to happen. Are you good at handling some of these problems or are you going to go into a panic about it? If so, this might not be for you. Like one thing that we ran into was, I guess, nine or six or nine years ago, my dad replaced some windows in the house, but he never closed out the permit with the town. So I had to, that was going to stop the sale. So I had to submit requests for new paperwork, get a new inspection from the town. 
And what should have taken a few weeks, again, when you're nice to people, I laugh because the realtor and probate attorney couldn't believe that I got the town to come out, reissue an extension, and come and inspect it literally within two days. Again, being nice to people goes a long way. Don't be a jerk. It really does help out. And I also did take a big hit with the septic system because I had to replace the whole thing. I kind of knew it was coming. It was something that was outdated and it was not ideal. I knew it was old, but as I talked to the realtor, we realized it would be much better to fix it first than to have a deal in the works, be in the inspection phase have it fail, have the buyer back out and have to start from scratch when it's now winter with frozen ground. So I knew just bite the bullet, put the new septic system in, and then it truthfully became sort of a selling feature that the house had a whole new septic system. It was not an option to connect it to the city. Trust me, we looked into it. And had my husband and I bought this property for the appraised value and then had to replace that septic system, it just wouldn't have been good financially. That was another reason that kind of swayed us from holding on to this property for ourselves. All right, here we are near the end. Would I fix and flip or buy a medium-term rental or an Airbnb across the country in the future, knowing what I know now? And the answer is yes. I'm not afraid of doing it if the deal makes sense. There are a few things to know about yourself that if you handle crises well, If you don't mind fielding problems and handling contractors, then this could make sense for you too. And being a designer who does a lot of work with construction anyway, I felt very comfortable in this space. Now, if you are a homeowner or real estate investor and you're not so comfortable with design, because again, design does make a huge difference then send me a DM at Nestorations or email me at hello at Nestorations.com and we can connect to talk about your property. Again, hiring a designer makes your property stand out, which sells it faster, giving you more profits in your pockets. And truthfully, I'd love to be able to work with you on your property. So all right, let's recap what we talked about till today. We covered a lot. All right, first, you do have to evaluate the market. But if you are working with an inherited property, you won't need to spend as much time. Next step is you need to build that long distance team, your realtors, your lenders, your appraisers, your inspectors, your contractors, and your designers. Don't forget about us. We are an important part of that team. And then get organized, take measurements, more measurements than you think you need. Take photos, more photos than you think you need. Knowing where that tricky outlet is or light switch can dictate what things you can do in a home. And then set clear expectations with contractors on communication and updates. And then when it comes to the design of a long distance property, don't risk making bad decisions that are going to hurt your resale value or rental perspectives. Hire a designer for at least a consult. I'm currently also in development to create more affordable ways to support real estate investors. So again, send me a DM at Nestorations or reach out at hello at nestorations.com 
to find out more about those ways. And then if logistics and details aren't your thing, this might not be the best path for you. And then finally, have realistic expectations for yourself and the property in the process. Things will go wrong. Be patient and know that every situation is a chance to learn something new that'll help you in the future. You'll be a better real estate investor, a better homeowner in the future for it. I always say you win or you learn. One of my favorite business coaches said that quote, you can get the best of both worlds if you get to do both, win and learn. All right, well, thanks for listening and keep listening to Home and Nestorations to help you design and decorate your home or real estate property with confidence. Have a great day.